Do you need me to use this? Yeah. yeah, okay. John was referring to Jesus as the word, and he's teaching that Jesus was eternal, and that, uh, that before creation, before the heavens and the earth were made, Jesus was eternal, and he chose to become a human and come down to earth. And we go on in that verse, and it says, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. And people who saw Jesus saw God. So if you would have lived in that time and you would have seen Jesus, you would have seen God because Jesus was fully human and he was fully God at the same time. Not one or the other, but both. And then look at the last part of that verse. So the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and full of truth. Now it's interesting that Jesus wasn't half grace and half truth. He was full of grace and full of truth at the same time. And those are two things that we often have trouble like putting together. I mean, most of us have a personality that's probably bent a little more towards truth or a little bit more towards grace. Because truth says there's a right and a wrong way. Truth says you have to be accountable for your actions. Truth says there are rules that cannot be broken. Truth says there are 12 inches in a foot. Truth says that water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. That's truth. Those things are just exist. That's the way that they are. But grace says everyone deserves a second chance. Grace says I can look past your mistakes. Grace says you can be forgiven. Grace says I will cut you some slack. That's what grace is about. So you have these two ideas. So how in the world do you take these two ideas and how did Jesus encompass being both of them simultaneously 100% full of grace and full of truth? See, we have labels that we put on grace or truth. Sometimes we call them different things. We, we call them conservative or liberal. Sometimes we call them a hardliner or a softy. Sometimes we call them Republican and Democrat. Sometimes we call them good cop, bad cop. We call them strict or lenient. We, we separate them into two different camps. In fact, most of us are bent naturally in our personality, maybe towards one or the other, and there's nothing wrong with that. But John says, I was with Jesus, and I walked with Jesus, and I saw him. I saw him teach. I saw him heal. I saw him do things. And he was absolutely 100% full of truth and full of grace at the same time. Here's how I want to demonstrate it this morning. When we see Jesus in the Gospel of John, he is full of grace And he's full of truth, all at the same time, to the brim. And that's a little difficult for us to understand that concept, because we tend to gravitate towards one or the other. But the beauty in Jesus is that he was able to be both. You see, if we go one way or the other with our theology, it tends to cause us kind of to back in a corner and really not see the encompass, the, the full measure of the gospel. Because the, the truth theology, if, you, if your theology is all about truth, I'm going to stand up for what is true. Truth theology says things like you don't have sex before you're married. 
Good Christians don't get divorced. You always wear your best clothes on Sunday morning. You don't go to R-rated movies. Do's and don'ts and, and this doest thou and don't doest those things. And, and, and it's really rigid. The truth theology is very rigid. And you will find in truth theology that transparency and honesty usually don't exist. Because if your theology is all about truth, none of us really live up to all those rules but if you but you, but you don't you want to act like you live up to all those rules because if you don't then if you don't follow all the truth then there's shame and none of us want shame so the casualty of truth theology is it has no grace in it it's all about the rules all the time but if you go to the other side of theology and it's all about grace that that everything is grace, then you find that there's values of tolerance and openness. You never judge another person. Everyone is unconditionally accepted, but things become relative. You kind of look at the Bible, and you're able to pick out the parts that you like and ignore the parts that you don't like, because it's all about grace. It's all about forgiveness. So whenever we choose one or the other, we go in these different camps, and and, and we live with these two different things, and yet Jesus... Jesus was neither one of those examples because he was full of grace and full of truth at the same time. The reason that that's hard for us is because it creates a tension, all right, a tension that we don't know always what to do with, where we're kind of uncomfortable in. Because when things are tense, we, we try to avoid tension. We, we don't really like it. It's much easier to be one or the other because tension is difficult. So here my backpack I have a, what is this class? A bungee strap. Okay, my dad uses bungee straps. That's why he said that. So if I give this to Kristen, Kristen, you hold on the end of this, and I pull it, we create tension, right? So you can hold things down. Now, Kristen, if I let go of this, what's going to happen? Oh, you don't want me to let go of it, do you? No, because if I let go of you, if I let go of it, it's going to hurt, right? So there's a tension between me and Kristen right now that, that is a little bit uncomfortable. And if I let go or she lets go, it's going to hurt. Okay, we like to avoid tension. When things don't quite match up, we like to go to one side or the other. But somewhere in the middle, it's like, ooh, that's tricky. That's like walking a tightrope. That's a little difficult. All right, thank you, Kristen. But that's what Jesus did. He, he lived in this tension between truth and grace. And the tension between truth and grace is what makes Jesus beautiful, attractive, powerful, and life-changing. It's because he was both of those things, not just one or the other. And where the two of those things meet, it often gets kind of messy when you're trying to figure out how to live within truth and grace. But it's the tightrope that Jesus walked. And our temptation is to dismiss one or the other, to just um, live in truth or live in grace. Now, some of us grew up in homes where maybe one parent was the truth parent and the other parent was the grace parent. You, you know what I mean? Some of you. So you had one parent who was all about the rules all the time, the rules. You have to do the rules. And you had the other parent who was always like, it's going to be okay, honey. It's going to be okay, okay? Everything's going to be okay. And so maybe if you grew up in a, in a great house home, a great home, there was a little bit of both. There was the truth and the grace. But when you messed up, which parent did you want to be around? The grace parent, right? Because of course. Because the crazy thing about truth and grace is... I tend to be more about truth when I'm telling other people what to do. 
but I tend to be more on the grace side when I'm the one who's screwed up. See, it's funny. It's funny that we kind of go back and forth, but it's very difficult sometimes to live in the middle of those. And Jesus embodied both grace and truth at the same time, 100%, pedal to the metal, both of them. Let's go back to our passage in John chapter 1, look at verse 16. We read, Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. If truth alone was important, then Jesus would have not needed to come. Because in the Old Testament we had truth. We had laws. We had the Ten Commandments. We have lots of Jewish laws, and if you remember when the, when the Jewish lady was here a couple weeks ago speaking, she was talking about all the different laws that they had that they had to follow. We had laws, but Jesus came because there wasn't grace yet. That's what those verses are teaching us. Because it's the tension between grace and truth that makes Jesus beautiful, attractive, powerful, and life-changing. And not surprisingly, though, Jesus modeled the way forward for us. He modeled the way of how to live in this tension between the two. Because he was comfortable. He was comfortable living and being full of grace and full of truth. He never had a problem calling out truth. And he never had a problem offering someone grace. And he was able to do that in this beautiful way at the same time. In John chapter 4, we see a story where Jesus met a woman at the well. And if you're familiar with that story, you kind of know how it goes. She was a Samaritan woman. Jews didn't typically talk to Samaritans. Men in that culture didn't typically talk to women, or women weren't allowed to talk to men if they weren't married to one another. And this lady happens to be getting water at noon, which culturally we know typically you would have gotten water in the morning or the evening. And so maybe there's some shunning that's going on. But Jesus finds this woman at the well, and he asks her for a drink. And she questions him, why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus says, because I'm able to give you not only a drink, I'm able to offer you living water. I'm able to offer you living water way beyond a regular drink. And then Jesus told her something about herself that she didn't know. He said, why don't you go back and get your husband? And she said, well, the truth is, I don't have a husband. And he said, no, the fact is you've had five husbands, and the man that you live with now is not your husband. And you can feel the tension in the story. But Jesus said, I want to tell you something. I am able to give you living water, and I am the Messiah. I am the one who has come. And I am able to give you something that you have never, ever received before. And the story goes on to tell us that the lady ran back to the village. She left her water jar there, the very thing that she came to do, and she ran back to tell all the people that she had found this Messiah that they had all been living for, waiting for. And in the story, what you see is this beautiful encompass of grace and truth that Jesus was able to show and live in the beauty of the tension there was once a rich young ruler that came to Jesus in Matthew 19, and he asked Jesus, what must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? It was all about the truth. What must I do? I want to know what the rules are. Give me the rules so I can check them off. So Jesus starts saying these rules, and the guy's like, got it, got it, done that, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, is that it? So I'm in? So I followed all the rules? And that was all the truth, and then Jesus throws the grace part at him. He said, so I'll tell you what, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, take everything you have, and sell it. And then once you come follow me. And in the story, it says that the man left everything and he walked away. 
Because Jesus was able to look into his heart and he was able to see that the man had all the truth. He had all the rules. He, he did all the things, but there wasn't grace there. And when Jesus said, I want you to show grace to people, that's when it got tricky. But Jesus lived in the middle of both of those things and was comfortable with that tension. Jesus told his followers, his disciples, hey, we're going to go to Matthew's house tonight and we're going to eat dinner. Matthew was, actually his name was Levi then. He was a tax collector. And tax collectors were despised at that point in, in that culture. I mean, in fact, if you look through the New Testament, many times it will, they have their own category. They have sinners and then they have tax collectors. And they talked about the sinners and the tax collectors because the tax collectors were so bad, they didn't even lump them in the sinners because they were worse than the sinners. Okay, so you were like the low of the low of the low. Like being a drug dealer to kids, you know, selling kids drugs or something in our culture that you think of as totally despicable. People hated the tax collectors. And so Jesus says, you know what, we're going to go eat at the home of of. Levi, we're going to go there and, and eat. And I can hear the disciples saying, Jesus, you, you know, he's, he's a tax collector. He collects taxes. If, you, if we go eat there, people are going to think we're okay with tax collectors. Like, what, what's that going to do to our reputation? And Jesus said, well, not only is he going to be there, but he's invited all his tax collector friends. So you're not going to be around one of them. You're going to be around a whole bunch of them. But it was a, Jesus was never concerned with what other people thought. He was able to take the truth and take the grace and be full of it. And the beauty of it is when Jesus was around people who were far from him, far from God, they were, they were not uncomfortable around Jesus. In fact, they were extremely comfortable around Jesus. And yet, he never, ever watered down the truth. It was not, it's not as Jesus went to Levi's house and said, well, you know, it's, it's okay that you cheat people out of money. I mean, I get it. It's, it's okay. Jesus never, he never wavered from the truth. But at the same time, he was full of grace. And that's the thing where we look at and go, that's kind of hard. That's kind of hard to be both of those at the same time. And then the last story that I want to share is when Jesus was brought, a woman was caught in the act of adultery and was brought uh, to him. We find that in John chapter 8. And the Pharisees bring her, and they did it just to trap Jesus. And they're like, Jesus, what do we do with this lady? She was caught in the, in the act of adultery. In the Old Testament, it says that we are to stone her. That's the truth. You can read it in the Old Testament. It said if someone was caught in adultery, they were to be stoned. So they bring her to Jesus and say, the truth is, should we stone her? We want to stone her. What do you say, Jesus? And so Jesus bent down, and he wrote in the sand, and then he stood up and he said, okay, yeah, you're right. Let's stone her. That's what, that's what it says. That's what the truth is. Let's stone her. But whichever one of you is without the sin of lust or sexual morality, you be the first one to go. So Josiah, okay, you, how about you? You want to pick up a rock? You want to throw it at her? Over there, the guy in the brown toga, you want to throw a rock at her? Okay. Go ahead. Let's do it. Let's do the truth. Whoever has never lusted after a woman in their own heart, whoever's not had a hint of sexual immorality, whoever's not even committed adultery within their heart, you throw the first stone at her. And then the rocks just like hit the ground. And there was a a thud, 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 and they walked away. And then Jesus had this encounter with the woman. And he said, where are your accusers? And she looked up, and they were all gone. And she's like, they're gone. And Jesus said, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. He offered her grace 
at the same time speaking the truth in love. And he had this wonderful, incredible way of doing it that's very difficult at times for us and very difficult for the church. But yet, it's a very beautiful thing when we live in the tension of grace and truth and not try to be one or the other. So how do we do that? How do we become the kind of person that can manage and live in the tension of grace and truth? I want to give you three action steps that I think are, are helpful towards helping us do this. Here's the first one. Walk towards the messes. Not away from the messes, walk towards the messes. Jesus was always walking towards the mess. He was always walking towards the conflict. He was always walking towards the tension. And our reaction sometimes is like, I, I, I don't want to get involved in that. That's ugly, that's messy, that's, I don't know. My life is just kind of easy and I, I like for it to be kind of orderly and just over here and it's just clean. Jesus walked towards the messes, not away from them. I had started as a senior pastor at a church, and the first week I was there, I found out that one of our senior staff members had a substance addiction issue. And I was like, well, okay, that's a great one to c- come across the first week. And so um, I worked with our church leaders, and we had meetings and talked about it, and it, it, it would have been very easy to do this. It would have been very easy to say, okay, you're fired. It would have been easy to say, okay, let's sweep this under the rug and not really deal with it and pretend that it's not there and it's going to go away. But somehow it felt like neither one of those were the right thing to do. And so after meetings and meetings and um, prayer and working with them, it was a very difficult issue to walk down a path to try to help someone and to show them complete grace and complete truth. And it was not easy and it was messy and it wasn't even really fun at all. But it felt like that's what Jesus would do. He wouldn't avoid the messes. He would just walk towards the messes and in them find truth and grace. And it's easier for us to stand up for truth or to stand up for grace, but it's much trickier and much more involved to walk towards the messes because the tension between truth and grace is what makes Jesus beautiful, attractive, powerful, and life-changing. Second thing, don't concern yourself with image management. If you're going to try to embrace truth and grace, you, 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 you cannot be concerned with what other people are going to think. Just like when Jesus went to the house of Matthew. Just like when Jesus was with tax collectors and prostitutes. Just like when Jesus was hung on a cross with thieves. Jesus was not concerned with what other people were going to think of him. And if you're going to embrace truth and grace, you cannot be worried about what other people are going to say or other people are going to think. You have to make decisions that other people won't understand. You have to make decisions sometimes that other people won't understand because they don't have all the information and you can't even give them all the information because it wouldn't be right for you to tell that. You're just going to have to say, hey, that's just what I've, that's what I'm going to do and I don't know what you think of it. Pam and I had some close friends um, years back they went through a really nasty divorce. And at the time, we lived in a small town. It was kind of a small town where everyone knew everyone's business. And um, the wife in the, in the situation had been unfaithful. Everyone in the town knew that she had been unfaithful. Everyone knew all the stories. Everyone knew everything. And in fact, in many ways, she was kind of shunned because of that situation. And I remember Pam and I having a conversation about, like, what our friendship with her was going to be like. Because this is months after it's just done. I mean, it's over. You can't really save it. It's just gone. 
And, and I remember us talking like, well, we're still going to be your friend. I mean, we're still her friend. We still would meet with her, go out to eat. We would still try to be there for her. And I remember people asking, like, you, you, you went with so-and-so? And I'm like, well, why wouldn't I? And you just kind of get that because she's like, you know, on the list. You know, you just, you don't do that because everyone in town knew that. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, Jesus was the one who embodied truth and grace, and he did not care what other people thought or what other people said or who he was with, and who he was with never influenced who he was at all. And John is saying, I walked with this man, Jesus, and I saw him, and I saw the, what he did, and, and, and Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. Third action step to try to help us live in the tension between these two, steer by the Spirit, not by your senses. It's so easy for us to be steered by our senses because we are trained to walk by what we see and respond to what we feel. That's, that's how we live a lot of times. But to live in truth or grace, you have to be willing to say, you know what, I am trusting what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do, not what necessarily makes sense to me in this situation, and I have to trust that he knows better, that he is wiser, and he can see things that I can't see. I want to close this morning with a, um, a beautiful story that I witnessed right here in this room about four weeks ago. Maybe some of you saw this. Maybe some of you didn't. But you may remember that Matt um, had a friend of his named Sam up here on stage, and they were talking. And Sam is a, this is his own label. He is a gay Christian. I'm not trying to put labels on him. That's what he calls himself. And so they were kind of talking a little bit about that and how that changed or his view of Jesus with that issue. And after it was over with, you know, Matt prayed for him and he was sitting probably about right here. And I remember Matt went on and he was talking about something else that day. And um, I was sitting right here beside my wife and I saw my friend Christy Laughlin get up and walk around here and walk and sit down right beside Sam. No one else was sitting around him. No one else in this room was. And I thought what I saw going on was helped me because I knew Christy's story. And um, I asked her for permission before I told you this story, but if you knew her story, and some of you know her, she is a very beautiful person that I met on an airplane about two years ago flying back from Las Vegas. She has had a lot of hurt and a lot of pain in her life because of a spouse that she had that struggled with homosexuality. And it, it really has brought a lot of pain to her life. And I knew that story about her. And when I saw her get up and walk down this aisle and sit down in that chair. I thought to myself, she is embodying truth and grace right now. Without judging Sam, without saying a word, without agreeing with the decisions that he makes, without agreeing with the things that he's choosing to do, she is right beside him, loving him, being a friend, showing the love of Jesus. And what I saw there was like 
that's it, Dan. That, that's truth and grace. That's full of truth and grace. That's both of these things coming together. And so many times we are guilty, and I'm guilty of being about truth or being about grace. And if it's telling people what to do, I want to be about truth. If it's me on the other end of getting in trouble, I want to be about grace. And the church has not done a fantastic job. I'm not talking about Exodus. I'm talking about the church about doing a great job of embodying that. Because we have groups of people that, that have different lifestyles or ideas and they don't see the church as being full of truth and grace. They see the, the church as being full of truth and hypocrites and rules and no love and no mercy. And so basically they just shut us off. They don't even want to hear it. I mean, we can talk and talk and talk, but they're like, we're done. I, we're done with you. We don't, we don't want to hear it anymore. But that's not who Jesus was. He somehow lived in this beautiful tension of being full of grace and full of truth. And as your pastor, I want to be that kind of person. I I want you to be that kind of people. I want our church to be that kind of church where, where people don't look at our church and go, oh, well, you don't have a big building or you don't have lots of cash or you don't have all of these things. But people would say, you know what, even if I don't believe what those people at Exodus believe, I know that they are full of truth and they are full of grace and I have witnessed it. Because to me, that, that is representing who Jesus was. So in your life, walk towards the messes. Don't concern yourself with image management and what other people think, what other people are going to say, and steer by the Holy Spirit and not by your own senses. Let me pray. Hey, God, I thank you today for um, the truth that we see in John chapter 1 of Jesus being full of grace and full of truth. And I know in my own life I wrestle with that concept, that it's tricky, it's not easy, it's difficult, and it's a tightrope. But, Father, I know that it is a path that you have called each one of us to walk towards. And it's a path that you've called our church to walk towards. And um, help us to be found faithful in doing that. Forgive us for the times when we err on one or the other. uh, But, Father, help us to live in the beauty of the tension of those two ideas in the same way that Jesus did. And when we do people will see that we stand up for what we know is true and that we also at the same time pour out this loving and amazing grace that only is possible because of Jesus' death on the cross and that none of us are deserving of it. And though none of us are deserving of it, it does not change what is true. And give us the capacity to somehow live that way and translate that out and share that and be that to our world and to our community to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors, co-workers. Father, that's my prayer for all of us this morning. In Christ's name, amen.